Hey, Scott. Yes, Adam. What do you think of my mustache? Is it sex offender creepy? It is definitely that. Wonderful. Coming to you almost live from the playground your children play at. This is The Unknown Studio. I'm Scott. I'm Adam. And we are your hosts. And we've got a very special show. They're all special. But this one especially is special. Special. Because in the studio today, we have Matt Marshall and Emily Baczynski. Did I say that correctly? I was that's about right, yeah. From the show that maybe you've heard of. It's called Middlemen. Scott heard of Middlemen. Scott, you came across this show at Pure Spec a couple weekends ago. I did. I was, uh, funny story. Not really. (laughs) I love these. I was, uh, I was sitting covering for a person's booth, basically. Uh, she had gone off to do something and I was like, sure, I can watch your photography for a half hour, an hour and, and take money from people for you. Uh, and I happened to be next to Matt actually at the, uh, at the Middlemen booth. And uh, could not help but notice the television with all of the strung together action scenes going on on it. And uh, eventually struck up a conversation with him. And it turned out that he was awesome and his show was awesome. And I was like, I also have an awesome show and we should merge those two projects somehow. And here we are. Indeed. There's a lot of awesomeness in the room right now. It's overwhelming. I think I might pass out. Thank you for joining us. Um, as someone who's only seen a trailer for the third episode of Middlemen, which is now three episodes, right? Yep. yep. Why don't you tell me a little bit about, well, everything? Uh, about us? About the show? Everything well, let's that, let's start everything. with how middle, what Middlemen is okay. and how it all began. Okay, well, the Middlemen is a show uh, mainly about the nuns' family. It's this criminal organization that consists of an uncle, his nephew, his niece, and they're on their very last legs. Everything that kept them going, kept them strong, is basically now gone. And they're getting everyone after them. There's hitmen after them. There's assassins after them. There's other criminal organizations after them. And everyone wants to take these guys down for various reasons that come out as the show goes along. Okay. Um, and their only hope is they kind of put out basically in a want ad in the first episode, you know, in criminal want ads, if they existed in my weird pseudo kind of reality. Uh, they said, we need help. And shows up this little guy named Little Blue. And he's an assassin, and he's really awkward. He's really strange. Uh, I play by myself, so he's very strange. So you feel typecast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the one I wrote, I wrote the character. I said, I can't make him very handsome or suave. I can do this. <laughs> I can play this character. And he shows up, and he, he's very strange, but he's very good at his job. He's very good at being uh, a hitman. And the family starts doing great. And they start making more money, start making more contacts. They start bringing themselves up in the underworld. And with that comes a few problems, though, because this guy has a bit of a history that is just just as our third one's finishing, we're just kind of alluding to, it's going to start leaking into the family a little bit. But the family, our first episodes are really about them and this new character and getting along and having fun, having problems. And we're, we're almost just kind of setting up the danger a little bit. But it's, it's the, the family is... The family's working well with him, so they, they're now kind of like this unit, and it's it's how they go along. So this is a this is a show that's based in Edmonton, unapologetically based in Edmonton. Like you can tell by the backgrounds and stuff. Like yeah, that. I've I've gotten that. I've got comments. People say they like that. They're like, we like the fact that you know it's in Edmonton. But they're like, but is it Edmonton? And I just always say, you know, it's it's a city. 
It's just, it's not ever said that it's in Edmonton. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'll am i happily have characters run across a high-level bridge. I'll have people down in the River Valley. We'll go to West Edmonton Mall, but I'll never have characters, I don't know, stand, stand beside, I don't know, uh, the Wayne Gretzky statue and be like, hey, <laughs> isn't it great to be in Edmonton? It sure is. I love this city. Remember Jan Reimer? She was super. I mean, we'll never... <laughs> I don't think anyone would ever say that. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't get to that. So it's, it, it's a city. It's in Edmonton, and uh, people kind of dig that, but it's we never, we never force on anyone's throat, really. Uh, you know, I, one of the things that I find about Canadian television, one of the things that bothers me the most about it is that it, it just is so... It so badly wants to point out that it's Canadian television. Yeah. It's a, it's a, all like agonizing because it's like it's made in Canada and we're going to make sure you know yeah, it's it, made in Canada. In fact, it's it's going to be about making a show in Canada. That's what it'll be yeah. about. Like, I mean, you, you know, I mean, uh, Little Mosque on the Prairie, uh, Corner Gas. I mean, Ugh. These are yeah. these are the Canadian yeah. shows that everyone talks about. Reminds me of the guy that's maybe slightly not as endowed as he wish he could be, but he <laughs> makes a really big stink about yeah. how he, he is though yeah. so you kind of know something's off a little bit so he's constantly like hey it's a good thing this isn't a pants off party because you guys would all feel bad <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what Canadian like, television is like Yeah, Canadian television is one giant pants off party <laughs> but then you've got shows like uh, SCTV didn't point didn't call any attention to the fact that it was made no it wasn't a big deal and I would argue that even though I don't really watch it Flashpoint does the same thing Yeah, yeah. it's made in Canada but who cares I think so they have the talent to just kind of yeah, and be the a good show. And the budget, right? I think that matters as well. And it's just incidental that it's Canada. So do you would you agree with um, some of the comments that our Alberta's culture minister made a little while ago saying that uh, Canadian television is, is shitty? He actually said shitty, I think. He, he swore anyway. Yeah, it, it was it was a it was a poop word. It was either <laughs> shit or crap. Yeah, I think might have been crap. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a it was a, it was a feces. But um, I don't know. There, there's some great Canadian stuff out there. Um, I can't. I mean, like SCTV. Yeah, it was awesome. I used to dig due south, and I haven't seen Flashpoint myself. My uh, my parents really like it. Yeah, I've heard good things about it. Is it Flashpoint or is it Flash Forward? Flashpoint. There is also a Flash Forward. Oh, is there? Is also but they're two different shows. Isn't it? Yeah, well, Flash Forward was written by a Canadian, oh, really? but I believe it was an American show, which was good for the Canadian guy who wrote it. It was Robert J. Sawyer, who was also at Pierce Beck this year. My oh, man, things just hit a circle. That. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess now we can end the show. Because <laughs> we're obviously done. <laughs> Now, Adam and I have made no secret about the fact that we are alumni of the University of Alberta student newspaper, The Gateway, uh, a publication that we are both very proud to have been part of the legacy of. And as it happens, The Gateway actually turns 100 years old this year and uh, is, in fact, having a big gala party to celebrate with uh, alumni coming from all across Canada to take part. So uh, we think it's a pretty big deal, and we decided we wanted to share that with you. And so in preparation of that, uh, I got in touch with uh, the Gateway's current editor-in-chief, John Kamech, and uh, we talked shop a little bit about 100 years at the Gateway. The Gateway Centennial. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah, I think so. The Gateway only turns 100 once ever. Yeah, that's true. And you got lucky, and you pulled the short straw and got to be the editor-in-chief. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's got its ups and downs, that's for sure. Uh, well, <laughs> let's start with the ups. How, how, has, how has it been going? 
Uh, it's been going well. Uh, I mean, uh, it was started like the the Gateway Alumni Association was started back in 1995, uh, or not 1995, sorry, 2005, by uh, Don Iveson and Steve Lillibuen, uh, in kind of as a way to um, as a as a uh, organization leading up to this event. So it was kind of, it's kind of been like it's been a while in the making. Um, and yeah, we're just basically going to be having a uh, gala to celebrate 100 years of the Gateway, and um, should be a good party. Now, uh, what kind of Gateway luminaries are expected at this big event? Um, well, there's going to be for sure um, Peter Lougheed, who is going to be doing the keynote speech. Um, unfortunately, let's see, uh, Don Iveson will be emceeing. Um, and yeah, I'm trying to think like there. I mean, there's like there's a number of people who are working within like Canadian media now who started out at the Gateway. Um, a, a few of our bigger, a few of the more well-known alumni weren't able to make it. Uh, like Joe Clark was overseas um, for the weekend, and I think uh, and Beverly McLaughlin is obviously kind of busy tending to the Supreme Court of Canada. What well, so. with being a Supreme Court justice? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Kind of an important job. And then, of course, the most famous Gateway alumni, myself and Adam Rosenhart. Yes, of course. We'll also be there. Yeah. We'll also be there, so that's going to be a good time. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that there were kind of ups and downs. What have been some of the, I guess, struggles with trying to uh, pull this event together? Um, well, I think it's just like trying to like trying to balance running the paper with organizing an event like this. Um, that's been the main thing, like uh, just making sure that like my focus doesn't come off of the paper um, at the same time as we're trying to get something together that uh, people will remember. Um, that's basically been the like one struggle um, I've found, I guess. Also, just the fact that like when like everybody has has such busy schedules these days that uh, it's tough to find time for everyone to plan uh, to plan things. So we've kind of been working it out, but it's actually come together really well. Uh, the attendance right now for the gala is 141, I think, which I think is a pretty good turnout. I agree. Now, yeah. the gala was, uh, if I dare say, a bit of an expensive ticket, one that I was happy to yeah. pay for. Yeah. But a lot of people might not be aware that uh, some of that ticket was, in fact, going towards the Gateway setting up a scholarship. Perhaps yeah. you'd like to explain that a bit. Yeah. We're, uh, like, one of the things we, we decided on earlier this year when we were planning, when, like, about a year ago, actually, when we started planning... Um, the circumstances around the around this the gala was uh, we wanted to use it as an opportunity to start fundraising for a, a gateway uh, like centennial scholarship for uh, for um, gateway volunteers and like so what we're try what we're, we've kind of got in mind is to try and fundraise enough to get a five hundred dollar annual scholarship uh, and at least in my like my vision for it is kind of a, uh, a like a an annual scholarship that would go towards like a gateway volunteer who showed exceptional commitment to the paper during that year. Um, so I think that would be a nice touch to kind of reward. Since right now for the gateway, I mean, your reward is the fact that you get to be part of the group. Well, I know in my day it was a reward was was having my name in the newspaper. Exactly. So. Yeah. Um, so I think like I think I I think it would be kind of nice to like have something to that we can give uh, volunteers to. Um, just commemorate their efforts towards the paper. Right on. Yeah. Well, now I know that there are some some younger folk who yeah. do tune into our show. Yeah. 
who are at the high school level right yeah. now and might be looking to go to the U of A, yeah. you would certainly recommend being involved in the in the Gateway. Yes, I'd certainly recommend being involved with the Gateway. Uh, it's a pretty fun time. I mean, the um, like I'd say three quarters of my good friends at, that I've met at university have come from here. Um, and I mean, you get to put out a campus newspaper twice a week, so that's true. I, I won't I won't say that it was like a nonstop party. Yeah. Because the party did have occasional stops to put out a paper. Yeah. But otherwise, it was a nonstop party. Yeah, that's about it. That's, I think that's pretty pretty uh, that's pretty pretty accurate. I think. Fair enough. Well, I realize that you're super super busy trying to put this thing together, and and I did in fact call you on a press night. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so uh, so I will let you go. But thank you very much for taking the time oh, yeah, to no talk problem, to us today, dude. and we'll uh, see you at the centenary. Yeah, I'll see you there, and say hi to Adam for me. Oh, I will. <laughs> It's the League of Extraordinary Media, TheEdmontonian.com, TrueBrittle.com, The Unknown Studio, User-Created Content. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's a guarantee of quality Edmonton-based online content. If you're interested in joining or would like more information, visit LeagueOfExtraordinaryMedia.com. Your afternoon is free as of now, but you have three points. Green again is little blue. What a cool name is it? I'm cool. You're on your third episode of Middlemen. Middle Middlemen. Yep. Um. And according to Emily, you've been at this for a number of years. It's been quite a while. I said, I'm 21. I met you when I was 16. Yeah. So I said, oh, five years. I'm almost 22. So yeah. tell, us about, tell us about how you wound up becoming involved with these seedy guys. Um, they are seedy guys. I can <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, the phone call I get from Matt. Actually, I get a call from my agent, Daryl Mork, who goes, uh, there was an audition for you, but I'm not going to send you because they're not going to pay you. And I was like, Okay. Well, thanks for the call, Daryl. <laughs> and then, like, moments later, Matt calls me. He goes, hey, um, this is Matt Marshall. Emily, I, I uh, got your contact in through, info through your uh, agent. And uh, like you said, we're not going to pay you, but it'd be really great if you come down and have an audition. And actually, it was a voicemail. I didn't actually pick up. He goes, and we'll see how you look with a shotgun. Cool. I'll talk to you later. Bye. And I was like, <laughs> I, was, I, I listened to it a few times being like, yeah, he definitely said, see how good you look with a shotgun. Was that the selling point? Is That's that what you said to me, and I was like, I was so curious, and I was like, okay. And the audition was like two weeks from now. I'm in high school. Yeah. Two weeks later. So you had to, you had to get permission to get time off school. Oh well, permission would have been nice, but <laughs> it would have been uh, <laughs> necessary if I had remembered about the audition, and uh, I didn't. So the day of the audition. The day of the audition, I get a call from my mother, who's like, Emily, somebody keeps leaving voicemails here, and you're so late for an audition. And I was like, oh, I totally forgot about this. And Matt lives in the far south side. I went to school downtown. I yeah. got there two and a half hours late. But we, we squeezed you in. We squeezed you in. <laughs> it was like you guys were like all eating lunch, and I felt so bad. My mother was there. She was in the basement waiting for me. We were just so happy your mother let you do the audition because the audition, it looked, <laughs> people were pretty certain they were auditioning for porn. It was pink Some guy was surprised he didn't like... have to take his, yeah. My, my dad's a lighting man, and he set some lights up, and just because he's like, you know what, you got some color. 
he threw in a pink light. <laughs> so we were in my living room because we thought, you know, why rent a space? You know, why pay the money? Yeah. So we, we just push all the tables and chairs and couches back. So it's a spot on the carpeted floor in our living room. And uh, we got some lights set up and a camera. And we're like, come on in for your audition. And guys are walking in. They're like... So this is what kind of this is uh, you know whatever I need a paycheck let's it, uh, do this. It didn't it didn't help that you uh, were blasting uh, I believe in miracles. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so it was like it was almost like <laughs> auditioning for the Full Monty. Yeah. That's what it felt like. Yeah, it, w- it was weird. It but, was a uh, little strange. But people people dug it. I mean, it it was our first time doing anything like that. Before that, I kind of I, I got started in uh, at another kind of like medium of film, and it was my first time doing a live action film, and I was like, you know what, I didn't want to just asked my friends to say, hey, come pretend to be gangsters. I was like, you know what, let's see what we can get. Yeah. So I called agents. I went to like some casting calls, and I just gra- gathered everybody could and said, here, here it is, see if you show up. And it was crazy. A lot of people did show up. People showed up that actually knew me sometimes just through other uh, sources, and they said, how did you get us people to show up? And I was like, I think I just lied a bunch. Because <laughs> we were like, is this a professional film? And I was like, uh, yep. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I'm a professional. Yeah, so, but it, it worked, and we got tons of actors and Emily showed up there she was late and she just came in the last second we we're like well we'll see this last girl and she was awesome she was fun and she was cool and we were like yeah oh, we like her a whole bunch so, so did you actually get her to read from the script from the first episode or I can remember the scene why don't oh, you yeah? describe Good it morning, to us Uncle Jim oh was that the scene <laughs> that was the scene oh yeah well the the, the first film uh, there's a scene between um, her character and her uncle and they're kind of talking about bringing this new assassin for a uh, the first meeting and I did you call her incisor wow yeah she wow that's pretty good <laughs> that's a pro that's like, actually funny thing is when we actually shoot lots of times we'll be doing I'll be doing a scene with somebody else and if she's in the room we'll stop and we'll look at her and say do you know our next lines and she'll know them she's very professional why do you know more so than anybody else in the project apparently. <laughs> <laughs> you must get another kind of credit then because if she's remembering other people's lines uh, yeah she should she should get script girl at least or something script girl. I, I don't know I was uh, trained on the stage mostly. I mean, I've been doing film and theater acting for eons. Always like, in Edmonton? No, I've moved like 13 times. No like way. so many times, but uh, I'd say mostly Calgary and Edmonton. And then, uh, but like, so stage lines, you have to remember everybody else's lines for your cues and stuff like that. Of and course. it's like movie acting, the lines are so much shorter. There's no monologues in a movie, really. There should be more monologues in movies. We need more 1408s out there. I feel like I wouldn't watch as much television. Why? If there was monologuing. If there was more monologuing. Yeah. Soliloquies. Just like background so go unnecessary. black. And like Step forward. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of that narrative that you hear in people's heads, it'd just be monologues. Maybe that would be better television. Maybe mm. someone needs to experiment. With I think them, so. I think. Maybe you guys this are could the be, people to do this it. This is our. This our or, we could. I'll step into a light and a blue light, do a little monologue. <laughs> or pink where light. It's hard. <laughs> I'm all over it. So how did? Where did this idea come from? What? gave you the the impetus to to make Man but in even, the first place even before that who the hell are you yeah <laughs> that's a better question i've actually been wondering that for years scott's just that? like i ran into this dude he makes shows which i'm just okay you know, like, so so what's your background uh the biggest background the, the biggest background was uh filmmaking just forever like um when we uh, my mother was a teacher and she got a video camera from her school the first time she brought it home i was in grade six and 
I loved it. So I took my toys and I had them talk to each other and run around. And every time I'd finish, and I, I would really get into it, like really, like ri like ridiculous, like the point where my dad was like, oh God, he's going to be into drama. And but I did this uh, and I, I remember showing my dad, I, I remember just the look on it. He's just so bored. He couldn't take any more. So he had a plan to get me to stop doing this. He says, okay, I can't take any more. I'm going to show you how to do something different. So he showed me how to make stop motion animation. Cool. So he said, you take the camera, you go click, click, click. And he thought, okay, this will get him off my back. And 13 years later, uh, me and my uh, my good friend, Trevor Gilday, got very good at it. And we did every school project. We did every little event we could. We have stacks and stacks and stacks of taps, tapes of animation. And if you go on YouTube and just type in FEDGDAC, which is a really weird, weird word. How do you spell that? Uh, it's F-E-D-G-D-A-C-K. Fedge Dak. Okay. Yes, Fedge Dak. If you go on YouTube, you will watch some crazy Stanley Kubrick, like <laughs> psychedelic, nightmarish animations of just things blowing up and killing each other. They are crazy, but we did it all the time. And we just, we got, we got very good at it. And I love the film world. And yeah, and uh, afterwards, I, you know, went to university and worked on drama and art and I wanted to you know, keep making stories and uh, my friend he actually is an animator still uh, he works at uh, BioWare and that's kind of where we uh, we ended up and he actually helps me quite a bit he's one of the cameramen on the film and he's uh, so cool. he's got he's got a great eye him and his brother are, are, are two of the cameramen and they're they're fantastic so you're now we know about you so where did the idea for middlemen come from um, I'm not sure what a lot of artists come up with their script ideas but I work I don't, I don't work forward, I don't work backwards, I work from the center. Every script I've ever come up with, every idea I've come up with has come from just a scene. And I remember I was at university, and I was sitting there in the uh, the library, and I needed to get a book for a paper, it was, I think it was in a paper on Japan or something like that. And you have to use, I don't remember what it's called anymore, where you have to order the book, and then you go get the call numbers, and eventually it shows up, and then you go find it. You know, So you can get a book basically anywhere from around the country. So I'm mm. sitting there, I was like, what if you, what if, what if I, if I ordered the book and I was in Toronto and I packed it full of like some sort of illegal thing or, or something fun like the microfilm, which I always loved from you know the Cold War movies. <laughs> and what if someone packed it full of the microfilm and then I ordered the same book? The, you know, the university library system would ship it through and I was like, what a cool idea, what a neat idea. I could ship like criminal stuff through this. And I was like, how could I make a scene of people doing that? And then that scene is in actually the first film. So I started with this little scene, I was like, that's a fun idea. I kind of dig that. And then I kind of thought, man, we need to have like a shootout with these guys afterwards. And then the story just kept, I, I think the, I, whenever I meet people now, they, they see I've made three films and they go, well, how do you, how do you write? How do you give ideas? I always say, just answer every question you can. So I said, okay, I got these guys. Why are they there? And I was like, okay, maybe they got to get this. Okay, well, who's this guy? Why did they send it? Where are they going? What kind of problem they get into? And just by simply asking questions, I kind of figured out how to write a script. And I remember I had my first script done, and people were pretty impressed by it, but they would get it, and it was written in Microsoft Word. And for anyone that even wants to attempt to write a script, they usually go out and buy really nice software. Really? They get the nice stuff. They get a, they get a brand new laptop. They get special glasses and a scarf just to wear in the Starbucks where they're <laughs> going to sit and write all day listening to Feist. <laughs> and, and I made this cool script on Microsoft <laughs> Word that I hacked together just with absolutely no formatting at all. And that's just, and just by working backwards from this one scene I thought would be cool at the university, and that's where it came from. And the story just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and uh, my wife got me like a big whiteboard, and it's constantly covered in ideas. Like right now, it's just 
all dry erase marker covered in ideas and script ideas and jokes and action sequences and new character names and any sort of thing I think is funny or makes me giggle. And uh, I write it down and I put it and the films keep going. I mean, we've got three films done and making them, films of these size are very difficult to do on our budget. It's, it's crazy we have to get to three, be able to get to three. So they're they're each they're not really like episodes so much they're they're it's part of a miniseries they're they're how long are these? The first one's forty five minutes. Okay. Second one's an hour, and the third one's a full length feature at an hour and a half. Wow. And it is it's a it's an overarching there is a storyline. If <laughs> if someone ever said hey you know what we lo- we love what you're gonna do we we want to help you do it I'm, there's a it could it could be something massive but if it was just what it was if it's just what we do what we do. It'd be like maybe like eight episodes I could finish it in. Might take us till we're in our forties, but which would be great because we'll still play the same age. So I'll be wearing a toupee and a girdle. I'll be like, "Well, isn't this great?" <laughs> <laughs> that guy had a heart attack. <laughs> He's pretty spry for for a fifty year old. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's so cool. Now, are you guys working on a fourth episode right now? Kinda. Um, I stumped them. Uh, on and <laughs> off. I mean, they're always working on something. Yeah, we kind of hit. I kind of hit a funny little place. Well, we we all kind of hit a funny little place where uh, the third episode took a very long time because it's an hour and a half long feature. Which, on the kind of budget we have, I'll never do it again. Uh, not not go back I to the really forty-five minute ones. Forty-five minutes to an hour was much much better. I mean, I can still tell a comprehensive story in that kind of time frame. But when you do it, it doesn't doesn't take you a year of editing. And it's there was so much to go into the third one. It was it was just really really big. Matt, you had a lot of things going on. Like you got married in yeah. that period of time. Yeah, getting married. Congratulations. Job switch Thank you. And, yeah. yeah. Lots so. of lots of work. Everybody but, had a lot of things going on. But but, but when we finished that one, it almost things almost something got forgotten a little bit. And then we had these three episodes. And then just recently, we released the third one. We had a showing for it. It was it was big. I, the guy told me uh, we played at the Rice Theater. Czar. We said it was the biggest showing they ever had. Rice Theater for local film. It was great. We had a huge turnout. We sold everything we brought in swag. Every great. DVD T-shirt we brought. It was fantastic, and a, a little bit of excitement got generated. And then people were kind of like, "Wow, we like this third movie." And you're telling me there's two more. We never really advertised ourselves much. Like I don't know. Like I'm like I. I've always been proud of the films, mm-hmm. but we never. I think we were more interested in making films than we were in making business. But now that we uh, we took we, we went back and we remastered the the first two films, and we got them made in these nice DVD sets and they looked nice and people kind of paid attention and things picked up much faster than they had before. So now, I, I was thinking about an episode four, but I was also thinking I actually am just about finishing another script. But Middleman's kind of picked up so quickly here and people are getting interested. I'm thinking. Well, I've got all these scripts for middlemen. Maybe it's time to make them. Yeah, maybe it's time to go and be a little more professional about this. Yeah, I mean, this is like when we started the first one. This was like that was like before the age of social networking. Like, yeah, Facebook was not a big deal. I didn't even know Twitter what YouTube was. Didn't exist. YouTube was you know in existence, but everybody was like, oh man, downloading takes forever, <laughs> right? Like, so like nobody did anything, and now it's like we're in the age of everybody is like, man, I'm at this Canadian tire and they're posting it on their Twitter and their Facebook and you can like click on it and it'll like Google map you to that in case you want to go buy some spray paint with them or something. And <laughs> so now that we have this, it's like we kind of are trying to network the shows a bit more than we have ever in the past. I kind of feel like a tool now for 
joining up with you to buy spray paint to that Canadian tire <laughs> You needed spray paint. I did. And, and you were buying duct tape. It was just tape. an opportunity yes. to hang out. And, and now we're at a, at a child's playground with both of those things. With strangers. It's, <laughs> this is wonderful. What could you possibly need with spray paint and duct tape? So that, that reminds me of a question that I wanted to ask, which was around filming in the city. Mm-hmm. Do you have to get per? Are you supposed to get permits and those kinds of things to film in public locations? Everyone I've talked to said that filming in Edmonton, you actually don't need permits. I mean, if you're going to close off a street and fire a grenade launcher into a Chinese food restaurant, I think that you sounds need- highly specific. Can I just say that? Like, this is something you've done or are thinking of doing? I just, I mean, if you're, <laughs> you're going to fire a grenade launcher anywhere, I mean, you want noodles to fly. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. So, but uh, I don't, you don't really need permits, but it, it helps to call the cops. And right. Well, when you're running around, I mean, even growing up, I used to make films with my brother, and we, like, would run around with these fake guns, and, like, consistently, like, elderly people in a neighborhood call and be like, there are people running around with guns in masks, and it's like, people will call the cops, like, yeah. a lot. You have, to be, you have to be careful, and uh, you have to be smart. You have to make sure you phone the police, let them know what you're doing, and talk Especially to people. Especially when you're running around with realistic-looking guns. Yeah. yeah. Ours were, like, gold plastic. These are... A step above. <laughs> These are probably replicas, right? They're, yeah. They don't have the little red tips to them. No, no, no. We, we, <laughs> we. The one thing we decided when we made these films is there's a there's a few mistakes. I, if you go on YouTube and you just want to type in you know independent action, I mean you'll get a lot of guys doing this kind of stuff, and I applaud them for going out there and doing what they want to do. But I find there's two big mistakes that anyone that makes independent action films makes. One, they use guns that don't look real. So obviously, as uh, the audience, you don't. There is no stakes because you don't take the drama or the action yeah, seriously because no it's whatsoever. you're yeah. not gonna you know it's not real. And the second big mistake they make is they cast the evil drug lord that rules the West Side. They cast their 16 year old brother. They put him in their dad's suit and he sits at a table at the kitchen table and goes, "Well, let's go get those guys." <laughs> and I gotta tell anyone anyone that out there that makes a, a little independent film, they want to make an action film. You can get anyone to play your gangsters. People that you wouldn't expect. If you go to a construction site and there's left hand Louie who's got a hook for a hand and a scar across his face, and you say, Louie, lefty, do you want me my action film? He'll probably say, sure. And that all of a sudden your movie has cred because you've got these cool looking people that are appropriate age. And I think a lot of people, they just, they're afraid. They don't want to, they don't want to approach anyone that's, you know, an appropriate age. They don't think, oh, they don't want to be in our silly movie with their guns. People love this stuff. And we've been really fortunate that we've got some. Great, especially in the third episode, we've got some great character actors, people that are just, they've, they're, the, they're the right age, they, they look fun, they they, they look kind of gangster In the third film? Yeah. There's that one guy who I never met, but he was the guy who processed the people. Oh, the chopped them up? Yeah, That guy the is up. the most interesting, best, best person. That's, yeah. He's the best. Is he actually an actor, or is he just uh, no. ra- some random duty found? Uh, no, he, he works at a uh, sound <clears throat> company here in town, and I, w- I would do events with him. And he's, uh, his name's John, and he's, he's just, perfect. He he's perfect. just the funnest guy. And I, it's the same thing. You know, he, <laughs> he just never acted a day in his life, but he has the, he had the perfect look. He was fun. He had a great voice. And I said, do you want to be in a movie? And he was just like, uh, yep. <laughs> you can get the craziest people. And just go to a construction site. You see some guy in the bus that's, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's missing an ear. And you're like, you want someone to play your your cool guy that's been through the been through the war and he's now gonna be the the super assassin and he's he's all cool and he's got this great backstory. You ask him to be in your movie, he'll probably say yeah. Hmm. Don't just uh, cast 
all the people in your film with your friends. If you make Unless it, your friends are all very interesting people. Yes, <laughs> if your friends got the hook hand and then here. That's I mean, why I've it. never had a problem making independent films. All my friends are super interesting. <laughs> yeah. They're all missing ears and hook hands and stuff. I only make friends with uh, amputees, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think I don't think I think that's actually a fetish. I think is what that is. Well, that, I mean, say what you will. <laughs> I think I just did. <laughs> I think someone's calling the kettle black. Actually, Adam. That's true. Um, what other ways are you trying to promote it? Do you have like a web presence and all that stuff? Or are you just going to conventions? We have conventions. Yes, conventions thing. on the way. Yes, we're working on that stuff. On that stuff. Because it was like, honestly, it was like it kind of hit us at Pure Spec. We're like, man, we need to get out there. We need to do a lot more marketing. Like, we have like a Facebook page and yeah, all right. Well, that, that's the low hanging fruit, right? I yeah. Mean, you may as well it's have true. a Facebook like, page. Like, find us on Facebook is easier than my email and email me for sure yeah like the, nobody's gonna email a stranger the, the website presence is embarrassing because i believe any 12 year old girl who loves jacob or edward can make a website in 15 <laughs> minutes that blows away anything i can make in 15 seconds they can sit down and go like well i love edward so beautiful page and i'm sitting there like so what is this hmlt and i've got <laughs> so uh we're, so but luckily we we just uh, i just met a cool guy who's really interested and he likes the films and he wants to build a a beautiful professional website for us because I actually as opposed to the old GeoCities page they have. <laughs> yeah. well, at oh, least dear. it's something. It's all dancing Jesus. It's it's middle man and then dancing Jesus is all down the page. Under construction. Yeah, yeah. Some animated coming gifs. Coming soon. Coming soon. Exclamation marks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So embedded Blinking MIDI. text and <laughs> underlined, italicized. Hamster dance. Ah, you know. Yeah, that's basically the web as I love it, and remember it. So are you going to go to any other, uh, like, Calgary Expo or any other events? Yeah, this year, I mean, we uh, we, we really kind of realized that people dig it as much as we do, which was surprising. I think we're like that garage band that like, played in their garage, but then someone's like, I think people might actually like the crap you guys say. You've, yeah. you've got the goods. Yeah. Being yeah. so, like, almost, like, self-involved or, like, involved in our little, like, middlemen community. And then other people, it, it, every now and then, I mean, this is so rare, but, like, Sometimes somebody's like, I've seen you somewhere. And when the first episode or the second episode, we put posters up downtown and on white and everywhere. And people be like, that's your face on that poster. And it'd be like, oh, yeah, it is. This is so strange. But it's uh, it's nice to have people knowing about it and talking about it. And it makes you feel like a superstar. And I, and, and one day, to not just too. in my own mind anymore. Now it's yeah, becoming now, real. Now it's you, real You've now. been legitimized. And one day maybe we'll be legitimized. <clears throat> no, sir. I will do everything I can to move us backwards from where we are. Well, you're doing a good job so far. It's the mustache. And now, Sex Talk brought to you by the Traveling Tickle Truck. Hey, I'm Lauren from the Traveling Tickle Truck. And this week, we bring you strange news from the world of sex. Sex research can be a very bizarre field of study. Since we at the Tickle Trunk do our very best to keep up with the latest and greatest in sexual health news, we are pleased to bring you a few brief updates in the world of sex. Here are a few things you never knew you needed to know. Thanks to a study from researchers at the University of Liverpool, we now know that you can tell how promiscuous a Neanderthal man was by measuring his fingers. And no, it's not what you're thinking. Apparently, high levels of testosterone in utero increase the length of the fourth finger. A Neanderthal whose fourth finger is long in relation to his third was likely to have many partners, while those with shorter fourth fingers were likely monogamous. Now we have a whole new reason to check out a man's ring finger. Here's one you probably do need to know. 
Guys who use laptop computers are at risk of overheating their testicles and damaging their reproductive potential. A study published in Fertility and Sterility suggests that in order to preserve their sperm, men should sit with a laptop balanced on their knees or keep their legs closed tightly to protect the family jewels. Computer geeks out there, please do not interpret this study as a new and affordable method of birth control. In other news, a study of 200 college students reports that 50% of women and 25% of men admit to acting out orgasm in order to get sex over with quicker. The surprising part is not the study itself, but the fact that anyone is surprised by this. Obviously, these college students need to start having much better sex. And finally, according to Condom Mania, one of the world's largest online condom retailers, New Orleans is home to the biggest penises of any city in the U.S., which explains its reputation as a party town. Washington, D.C. was second on that list. This comes as no surprise, as we all know there are a lot of big dicks in the capital. And there's all the sex news you never knew you needed to know from the Traveling Tickle Trunk. Are you looking for current, relevant, highly specialized digital media instruction? You need to seek out The Guru. Guru Digital Arts College offers intense six-month programs that simulate real-world projects. You'll work in small classes in a casual professional environment and meet industry pros who offer a mentor-style approach to learning. Some institutions make the same claim, but with Guru, you'll develop the confidence to get out and become a part of the digital media community. Come visit us anytime. Check out a class, talk with our instructors, and be part of the Guru experience. For more information, email info at gurudigitalarts.com or call 1-877-429-4878. So this is Adam coming to you almost live from the Christmas Bureau's media launch. And Scott and I have been invited to construct a gingerbread house today. For the second year, might I add. For the second year in a row. We didn't uh, we didn't upset anyone so much last year that they wouldn't invite us back. So um, we've been given a whole bunch of candy, some icing sugar, and uh, various supplies. And now it's up to us to put it together. And what do you think our strategy should be? I think we need to blow people's minds. I'm thinking something non-Euclidean, something that will uh, that will really draw attention to itself and and really stand out as compared to sort of the the regular humdrum gingerbread house. And I think the other key is to not humiliate ourselves. Uh, well, we uh, succeeded in doing that rather astoundingly last year. So uh, really, we've set the bar pretty low, and we can uh, we can only go up from here. We also don't have competition from Mac Mail, who outshone us last year just by being next to us. So. He, he, uh, he was representing the internet uh, the last time he was here. And so uh, we're going to go around and talk to a few of the other Gingerbread House constructors, and then we'll fill you in on what the Christmas Bureau has planned for this holiday season. So I've got Daryl Hook here building a 630 Ched Gingerbread House. What's your strategy, Daryl? Well, this is a shameless self-promotion. Uh, we're doing an emotional tribute to Gord Whitehead. As you can see, there's Gord Whitehead now gone fishing, <laughs> and Bruce Bowie is the new old guy in town. And so uh, we're just promoting our morning show, pretty much. Wow, that is that is shameless. That is we absolutely don't really give shameless. A, a darn about Christmas or the Christmas Bureau, <laughs> as long as we're happy and taken care of. Good. Well, hey, good luck. I hope you guys uh, fail to win. To if you want to buy some spots on 6:30, Chad, our switchboard number is 440-6300. All right, this interview is over. I'll be right. Hold it. So we've come to the end of our uh, gingerbread building uh, efforts. Uh, Scott, how did we do? I think we did uh, very successfully. I think that we are virtually a shoe-in for victory. I, I don't think anybody else can really say that they came and used only what was provided 
That's right. I see a lot of. Uh, well, I'm, I'm just going to say it. Uh, cheating. Yeah, there's a lot and of a gingerbread cheating. competition. A gingerbread house building competition for charity. Blatant cheating. It's it's unbelievable. It's it's a disgrace. Uh, <laughs> some of the other houses, of course, look really phenomenal. Ours. They do. The only piece of uh, of uh, of material we put on there that was not provided was our logo, so that people would know who we were. Yeah. And and they probably still won't know who we are. No. I've explained it about four times so far. So, <laughs> but all but to different good. people. Yes, that, and, and that's that's, that's really good. Yeah. So so now we're waiting for the judging, and uh, we'll let you know when we've lost. So I'm here with Diane Brown, the uh, fundraising director, campaign director for the Christmas Bureau. And uh, tell us about what some of your goals are this year for the campaign. This year we'll need to raise $1.8 million to pay the grocery bill and deliver our program. And to how many families is that? Uh, we actually uh, name it in individuals because okay. there's a lot of people that are single and in need as well. We'll look after about 73,000 people, about 10% of the population of the city of Edmonton. So uh, this is significantly more dollars than in previous years, or is it, has it been sort of a slow build? Just as the city has grown, so has the needs for the less fortunate of our community. And so, yes, it seems to have grown once again. Last year it grew by 13%, and we, we anticipate about another 5% growth this year over that. So it's a six-week campaign. What sorts of events are you running up until Christmas? Do you remember? Oh, yeah, there's many, um, many events. One of the fun ones, of course, is the afternoon with the Copper Jackets. Uh, that's at the, on December the 10th. That's a lot of fun. It's a very fast-paced uh, kind of little miracle that goes on in the, in the Shaw Conference Centre. The FMC Breakfast on December the 20th, that's a breakfast meeting. And, boy, if you're an early morning person, it's a great way to make your donation to the Christmas Bureau. And there's a few other things on our website. You can go to our website and look at our events there. Okay, well, thanks very much for chatting with us, Diane, and good luck this year with the campaign. Thank Thank you very much, Adam, and thanks for coming. Thanks again. <laughs> In spite of our best efforts at the Christmas Bureau's gingerbread house building competition, Scott and I failed to even place. We didn't even get honorable mention from anybody except for a few people who walked by and took pity on us for our uh, terrible, terrible efforts. Um, you can donate to the Christmas Bureau by going to christmasbureau.ca. Uh, more information on their events is there. Please donate. There are many people in the city of Edmonton in need, and, uh, and we should all band together and look after them this holiday season. I've heard that before, so I'm starting to believe it's true. Can't ignore the good opinions of my peers. That'd be ignorant. I know what shit I'm jumping into. But instead of slowly sinking, I'm going headfirst. Somebody dies in this town every day without ever having anything. I just want to get something and get out before it gets me. You're not going to live through this. You're just the hair smarter than the rest of those fucks you've invested to follow you. Caught you with your pants down. Literally. You're right, though. They're not all the brightest. We just have to stay a step or two steps ahead, maybe three. We're gone. You're an asshole. 
Yeah. I'm starting to figure. So at this time, we'd like to thank uh, our three beautiful, fabulous, and uh, sexy sponsors. Mm-hmm. The, the beautiful, of course, is uh, our friends at... The, the Edmonton, Edmonton Journal. Journal. That's right. Those ink-stained wretches have seen fit to sponsor our show with links from their website and pats on the bum when we do good things, and we really do appreciate those pats on the bum. Uh, we'd also like to thank, what did I say, fabulous? Sexy. Beautiful, and, and beautiful fabulous, and sexy. Yeah, so we'll so go to the fabulous. We'll next. go to the fabulous, and of course, that's our friends at Guru Digital Art College. They are indeed fabulous, and uh, they're fabulous because of the amazing things they do. They do amazing things with digital media, uh, including the internets, uh, which you can download to your desktop if you just go to google.com. And finally, the sexy. We'd like to thank the folks at the Traveling, the Traveling Tickle, Tickle Trunk. Trunk. They, of course, uh, had a segment in this very episode, which you've already listened to, unless you've been skipping through the episode. Which is shameful. Utter douchebag. Yes. Just don't do it. And so they, the Traveling t- Tickle Trunk, uh, the sex-positive sex store in Edmonton, um, and, in fact, they do some pretty cool, uh, I guess you call them shows. You can bring them into your home and learn how to give uh, the best blowjob in the world. And that's why we love the Traveling Tickle Trunk. <laughs> I heard down the grapevine, and also you kind of alluded to the fact, that you have uh, some other projects in mind as well, outside of Middleman. Yes. Um, Would you care to explain? And I, I will say it might have to do with a subject that Adam is very fond of. <gasps> like the end of the world and... Zombies? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have... Well, they're, they're our own brand of dead creatures. A big, a big trick in our film, though, was that they're not... They're not the traditional zombie. They're, you might not even call them. But you don't know what they are, and that's a big thing in the film. It's it's a popular genre right now. Yeah, it and, is. But I really do like, uh, I enjoy I enjoy a good action film, and I enjoy good characters. And I came up with the concept of some a community and some fellas that all wanted to be in the military, but they never quite make it because one was out of shape, one had asthma, one had a criminal record, and the other stuck around to help them out. And these five dum-dums are now kind of stuck in this po- post-apocalyptic world, and they're trying to keep the community alive, and the one thing is, they're all a bunch of rednecks. And what do rednecks got? They got machine guns. Of course. Of course they do. That's, a, <laughs> that's actually a line in the film Duh. where someone says, where'd you guys get all these guns? We're like, what do you mean? Well, normal people don't walk around with automatic weapons. Well, what do you mean? <laughs> and uh, and, Where are and you so from? it's it's, it's right. about these characters and sounds like a city boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> do you wear a scarf when it's not cold? Get them. <laughs> yeah, those glasses aren't even prescription glasses. <laughs> What's prescription? <laughs> That's all I got. So, yeah, so maybe a zombie movie. Maybe a zombie-esque yeah, movie. A zombie, yeah, it's called uh, Dead Country or possibly Dead in Country. We're playing with the title. But it, uh, cool. it's the one I'm writing right now, and it's it's a lot of fun. Writing it, when I get a chance to sit down and actually write, it's fantastic. Writing is a really fun process. You can really get into it. I always kind of tell people, say, why do you make the films? I say, well, because when I was a kid, I played a lot of G.I. Joes. And as an adult, it's kind of frowned upon, so I needed some other way to do it and legitimize it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when my wife walks in the room and I've got toys, she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm working! I'm working! <laughs> I'm writing movies! Leave me alone! Nothing's happening here. <laughs> so, Emily, what uh, what are you working on aside from uh, Middleman? Aside from Middleman, as in my job? Yeah, well, or other projects. Other that, projects? Uh, yeah. Acting-wise, oh, man, I don't know. Acting is always kind of... I do voice acting, I guess. 
Which you? one? You were in uh, Japanese animation, weren't you? I'm in quite a few Japanese animations. Really? She goes, yeah. aha! <gasps> a lot of those. Crazy big. Well, like a lot of them. Quite a few shows. Such too. as? Yeah. Shinek animation. You can find me on uh, YTV. Um, which show? Which show? The most popular one is Pretty Cure. I know Pretty that show. Cure. Play a character. I didn't know you were that one. Really? That's cool. I'm Rena. I play Rena. I'm the main girl's best friend, one of her two like dorky little sidekick <laughs> best friends who are... Uh, Pretty Cure is very much so card captors meet Sailor Moon. <laughs> so it's like, man, girl power. And also we transform and wear these little outfits which rule with our little cell phones. And car- <laughs> it's like, it's so... I wish more girls wore those at school. <laughs> or they were like a mandatory outfit. They you used know. to be. What else have you been in? What else have I been in? I um, recently have been hanging out with two friends who I have kind of just been acquainted with. I mean, I've known one of them for ages, but never, ever talked to or hung out until recently. And um, so Kellen and Byron, um, then they, and Kellen went to drama school and they just, and Byron is, likes to direct things and he's also a graphic designer. And they decided to just like start to make these short films um, and we just made a short horror movie, um, and it's like we just put it online the other day, just for Halloween, just for fun, basically. But they have these really nice little HD cameras that, and they made, they built their own Steadicam because they're geniuses. And so we filmed it, like the, it's been pretty nice out for Edmonton, but the one week period where it snowed, that was when we we're like, okay, let's film this horror movie. And so we're outside. <laughs> I got so sick. I'm still kind of sick. I was so bruised from like fake falling everywhere. But uh, it was like, it was not really a real horror film. It was uh, playing on the conventions of horror movies, like, no matter how slow the killer walks. And, like, he, I'm sprinting as fast as I can. He's always like, oh, man, now you're right here. Like, you were walking so <laughs> slow. I don't understand. I think it's because when you're not looking, the killer sprints super, super hard. Wait, and he looks back. There's a, uh, there's a movie. There's a, it, it was a mockumentary. Spinal Tap. What other mockumentaries are there? <laughs> Best in show. It's not oh, that uh, American movie, is it? What is it? A Mighty uh, Wind? Yes. It's yeah. A, yeah, yeah, it's Behind a, the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon is the name of the movie. It is a mockumentary about a slasher, and it's this group of student filmmakers go and they find this guy who's just getting into the slasher biz. And he kind of walks them through the process of stalking a victim and building up his legend and all of the tricks that slashers do in the movies. And one of them was The Slow Walk, where... When her back is turned, he's sprinting after her, and when she turns back, he's just lumbering, and it's uh, it, it's quite funny. Yeah. And uh, the movie was uh, was hilarious and dark, dark, and worth watching. Seek it out. I think you can find it in most bargain bins. Nice. Well, that must mean it's really good. I enjoyed it. Or Netflix. No. It was I've, decent. I've had a big thing with Netflix. Netflix. I, oh, just... Netflix in Canada is terrible, though. <laughs> and it's it's kind of, I feel like Netflix, I feel like I've Emily's eaten, laughing at you. <laughs> I've eaten way too many M&Ms. That's that feeling I have when I watch Netflix, because I think I I, start, I got 10 minutes into Highlander the Source, and I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, I would never rent this movie. I mean, I loved Adrian Paul in the series. The original Highlander series is fantastic. I would even say superior to the first movie. But that, well, that movie, boy. You're the second person to say that. Really? Yeah, Dan Kazor, former guest on the show, mentioned that he too, through Netflix, had obtained Highlander 2 and that it was awful. (laughs) So I guess Netflix is just trying to get people to watch Highlander 2 right now. The only thing that I've watched on Netflix was the, okay, no, there's been two things. One, the first and second episode of the first 
season ever of the Rocky and Bullwinkle show. Nice. Which that, I don't recommend watching. Oh, really? The creator I, recently passed away. That's really? Yeah. Because I think Rocky and Bullwinkle was good in later seasons, but this was just like, Nata- Boris and Natasha were drawn the way I would have drawn them. Mm. Poorly, very poorly. <laughs> I was a huge fan of Fractured Fairy Tales. Yeah, those were great. But then the other thing that I watched was SpongeBob SquarePants. Netflix is just terrible, though. I, I go on though. there to find the That's worst thing that I so can hard, watch. That's why I was laughing so hard because all I like we just like we started this idea of like improv commercials where it's just like if you'd be sitting there and you start talking about something, we wish you had a camera because it'd be like, and then you just like put it and be like, there's a commercial for Netflix, and he always talks about Netflix. Oh man, I wish I could watch all the movies I want for eight ninety nine. Oh, wait a minute. I can. No, you and can't. Will. You can only watch a limited number of crappy movies. You know, <laughs> the amount we've talked about Netflix on this episode, you think that they'd give us some advertising. They had better pay us. Indeed. They're going down. Netflix is going down. Or they're awesome, uh, assuming that they're willing to throw us some money. Yeah. $500, please. Netflix is great, but support your local video store. Yes, that too, local video stores who should be sponsoring our show. No, I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, there show. are some decent ones, <laughs> and there are some not decent ones. That's true. Yeah, and I, I miss the process, too. I mean, uh, it's fine to sit there on Netflix, but I, I like the process of going down to the movie studio and Getting walking popcorn. down the aisle. Yeah, yeah and you get free popcorn. Around. Although I spend about, I'm so indecisive, I spend, honestly, I've been in the movie store for like 45 minutes. Oh, and like, I believe it. The nice thing about a place like the movie studio, though, is you'll be standing there looking at something in an obscure category, and, and you'll bump into someone who'll be like, oh, you're looking at strange pornography have you thought about buy, uh, renting this strange pornography which is strange you're terrible I know, I know and it's also time for your favorite part of the show it's my favorite part you seem to think that it is you usually are really thrilled for this part of so the show. when we when we first started doing the show the second episode i was sitting there while scott was talking to our guest and i came up with this list of 15 questions for him 15 random questions and we called it the fast 15 and ever since that episode and how many have we done now over four? we're at 37 that's it Yes. <laughs> this is our 37th episode. Maybe and we should just make up a number. This is 680. Yeah, we've been doing this for welcome 70 to, years. Welcome to season 22. Yeah. <laughs> Bet you didn't know that. But anyway, we've been doing it with every single uh, every single one of our guests. And because there's two of you, we call it the Fast 16. So I'm going to ask you each uh, six I'm, questions. I'm no nervous. Way. I'm like strangely nervous. Should I'm gonna I be a- nervous? You should be nervous. I'm gonna ask- <laughs> I actually did just suddenly get kind of tight. <laughs> I will ask you each eight questions, but interspersed. So I'll ask Matt a question, and then I'll ask Emily a question, and you just have to answer them. <laughs> the first uh, 12 questions are the standard questions we ask of all our guests, but you each get two random wild card questions that I just thought up right <laughs> So they might suck. They might be terrible questions. Oh, but we'll, we'll do this, the Fast 16 with Matt Marshall and Emily Baczynski. Is it hot in here? It is hot in here. <laughs> Starting with you, Matt, number okay. one, th- and these are so innocuous, you're gonna, it'll blow your mind, your favorite food. <laughs> I like a good butter chicken. All right. Uh, Emily, your favorite color? Red. Red, okay. <laughs> what? I, for some reason, I thought you said bread. Bread is like, my favorite Bread is color. not a color. That is a close second. Red. You made her really nervous. It is a shade of brown. <laughs> I love <bread>. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> a shade of bread. <laughs> bread. It can be bread. anything from white to black, really. 
and every color in between. Marble. Enjoy the bread colors. <laughs> you know, you know the one. So I really want the theme of our house to be bread. The colors, everything should be The outside be should be darker than the inside. Yeah. The inside's more of like a French bread. The outside's like a rye. <laughs> Thinking we should go for more of a toast in the basement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We call this the uh, the baguette room. <laughs> we did an eight eight grain garage. Yeah. Okay, number three, Matt. Uh, Mac, PC, or Linux? What do you prefer? Uh, Mac. I'm very simple. Attaboy. I like simple. Yeah. Attaboy. Yeah, represent. <laughs> Emily, dogs or cats? Cats. Matt, coffee or tea? Tea. Emily, your favorite holiday? Halloween. Is that a holiday? Is that a holiday? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Matt, your favorite sport? Boxing. Emily, your favorite pastime? Reading or music? Uh, Matt, your favorite music right now? Uh, uh, country <laughs> okay sure yeah that, that works emily your favorite movie uh the fall okay matt your favorite video game oh that's hard that is really hard i love that well one. we usually specify Actually, your favorite video game of the last like year it sure. doesn't need to be of all time oh, the last year it doesn't, doesn't need to be, to be of all time, time. unless oh, okay. you want it to be unless you feel like you're prepared to make that decision it's like a well, recent favorite I, this i I am I am the generation that grew up with the NES, so that's a big question. That's a question where one guy would be like, oh, no, Frogger, what the fuck, what? <laughs> but no, I could go deep. But no, I'm going to say for this year, it would be Bad Company 2. Okay. And of all time, I would perhaps say Aliens 3 for the SNES was a fantastic game that had such deep ambiance and horror. And if you plug I've it... I've never, in, ever... Hang on. I've never heard of someone saying an SNES game had ambiance. No, if... <laughs> and I'm, I'm not even just... I, if you plug it in and you sit home and you play, you will scare yourself silly. It's an SNES game, and it's it's foggy, it's dark, the music is terrifying, sometimes it goes silent, and if you play this, when you buy this game by yourself in the dark, even with the old school graphics, you will terrify yourself. And it's not like now where you get continues and saves, you've got to play, so you're so tense, You've been playing to get so far on this level. You've been playing for 45 minutes. You don't want to die. You start all over again. You can barely hold the controller. You're shaking. You're, it's, it's an excellent game. Damn it. I need to get an SNES emulator now so that yes, I can play it. Yes, it's really good. That's cool. There you go. That's, I changed my that's, mind about the movie. Okay. It's now Old Brother Art, though. That's a fantastic movie. Yeah. Great work. <laughs> she might change her mind again, so you better No, that's good. On. That's sad. No, we're, we're moving good. on. We're okay. So, Emily, uh, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Oh, man, I hate this question. Okay. Uh, and everyone asks her it. Does, wait, God! Does, it's true. Does everybody in the world have superpowers or just me? This is important. Um, <laughs> just you. <laughs> and maybe a select Just, few mutants that nobody knows. So about. there are superheroes in this world. It's a superhero world, but not everyone no, has powers. Screw that! It's this world. We're talking about right here, right now. <laughs> so you're she's the, the only one. You're the only one, as that we know of. That we know of. Yeah. Why is this so hard? I'm gonna say, um. <laughs> that's, a, that's the strangest. Superpower. It is a superpower. It's a strange superpower. I don't know. If I'm the only one that has it, we could go. The How ability about you look to good in every genes. Pass <laughs> all genes. Pass the ability to. <laughs> pick up any ability i think i think have we put a kibosh on that one what was the one we put a kibosh on i don't remember it was a while ago but we did kibosh one because someone was like i'm gonna do this totally lame i get more wishes with my genie wishes yeah, it was one of those oh, and it was wishes. like you know what you know like, you're the only one who gets that like one. like if i decided to learn a language i could learn a language or an instrument or okay I, that's cool i'm down with that that's, that's so you're realistic. like a savant but like that's exactly savant. where i was thinking too yeah <laughs> yeah, I feel like that would. I feel like that would be the most. If I'm the only one with superpower, that's the only thing that would be the best. So I you mean, like see a helicopter. I mean, otherwise you could be like, be like oh man, look, it. flying. 
So but yeah, I mean, everyone says that. I think I. Who doesn't want to fly? But yeah. as a realistic thing, I feel like that would be a good superpower to have. In so this like, world. you could sit in an Apache helicopter and just figure it out. Yeah. Mm. That's a wicked power. That's a decent power. That's a great power. Mm-hmm. All right, now uh, on to you, Matt. Uh, orange juice or apple juice? <laughs> what I tell? The easy I tell you about innocuous. I said innocuous. I was right. Uh, orange juice now. All right. Um, so now, Emily, if you had to fight a celebrity, the- <laughs> so, man, she does get good fun. <laughs> I'm trying to mix it here. Hang on, I've got, I've got a few, I've got a few. <laughs> They're totally random. Matt, one or two. Emily, yeah. do you prefer Judaism or? Yeah. If you had to f- fight a celebrity to the death, who do you think would be the hardest to kill? Who would be the hardest to kill? I could have just said which celebrity is the hardest to kill. Yeah. But, it, but I don't know. Can I throw my two cents? Yeah, of course. Keith Richards can't die. <laughs> I was thinking he's, about that, but he's older now. You have to aim for the head for that guy. I really do think that. It's true. <laughs> he can't die. Who would be the hardest to kill as a celebrity? Yeah. Somebody catty. Like, a like anyone from The View? Yeah, then the situation. <laughs> <laughs> he does pretty much look like Rambo. He does. I think he kind of looks like Popeye, too. What's wrong with your arms, man? That was a message just for you, the situation. And, of course, the situation listens to our show, so you've you've Uh, made him cry a little. Listen, buddy, I'm sorry, but uh, I should have complimented you, essentially, because you're the hardest to kill. There you go. (laughs) Matt, your favorite action movie? Aliens. That's a great choice. You know, it was, and it, we should have seen it coming because it was his favorite video game. The only thing that's missing from <laughs> oh, you're right. That's kind of kind of doubled up there, but the, it is no, it's it a, a perfectly legit answer. Can I just say the whole Alien series? It's unfortunate that Arnold Schwarzenegger was never in one of those films. I really do feel like, and Aliens would have been the film for him to be in because that was the balls out action. And movie. of course, uh, this stems from the fact that you love Arnold Schwarzenegger. Love actor. But you know, if you actually want to get close to that. Uh, Capcom made the arcade Aliens vs. Predator game, and in the Aliens vs. Predator game uh, uh, console version, you could be a human, and that human was Dutch, who was Arnold Schwarzenegger from Predator. From Predator. So technically, you that is Arnold Schwarzenegger in an Alien. Was well, not a movie, yeah. but he that was as close as he got. And if that was ever turned into a movie, it would have been fantastic. Um, how about Predators though? That movie. Did you see that? I did. I laughed. It's pretty terrible. I laughed the whole time. I laughed. I just stayed away. I, I just stayed I, away. I say it must be one of my favorite movies just for the sheer entertainment of how hard I laughed. The stereotypes. Everybody's pulling out their weapon. The Americans go like the biggest like gun. Like the yeah, the beautiful Scottish woman has the uh the <laughs> She's got a straw with poison in it. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 yep. the prison, the guy who's obviously a con pulls out a prison shank. Yeah. Uh, he actually gonna, pulled out a shank at one point. It was like, this is unbelievable. I was at a beef with the fact they always give the woman the sniper rifle because they don't think women can stand up in the straight fight. They got to hide her in a bush somewhere so she can snipe. And I've always said, I, I want a woman to go in with a machine gun. Well, Vasquez always dies. That's the the moral of the story. Yeah, so, uh, so, you know, even though, well, and Ripley doesn't. So how about and Vasquez that? was yeah, the was the the butch chick with the big gun. Right? Vasquez was a complete stereotype. Like she Vasquez was, was a butch, badass, but she was the butch female oh, yeah. character. She was probably a lesbian. That's probably how they and she died. And she died. But Ripley was smart, sensitive, and she's I suppose Matronly. probably a very very strong they always, female yeah. character. No, I feel like they tried to they tried to make the guns to match, and the sniper rifle was so sleek and sexy, like it. Spanish chick. See, if I was doing the action you movie, hate the Spanish. <laughs> if I was doing that movie, I would have given uh, the chick a shotgun. There you go. Shotgun. Yeah. 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 So that she gets right up in your face and boom, <laughs> take that. 
That's but what if she weapon. asked for the sniper rifle? Just no, that's so stereotypical. You get the shotgun. I don't know how to use this. Break. You're gonna learn. <laughs> You're gonna die. <laughs> All right. I'm trying to think of a mundane question for you, but I can't. So here's the last question. Okay. Slow, shambling zombies or fast, angry, hungry zombies? And in, why? In any situation? In any situation. Okay. I'm going to say slow, shambling zombies. Because as far as zombies go, I feel like it's more realistic for the walking dead to be slow and shambling. Okay. Um, that being said, in a group, they could still probably overwhelm you. But it is more realistic when they're slow and shambling. Well, thank you guys very much for being on the show. It was wonderful to have you. Thanks. And we look forward to the next episode of Middlemen. Yes. You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, episode 37. Our guests, Matt Marshall and Emily Baczynski. Pre-production by Adam Rosenhart. Post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. The Unknown Studio is a proud member of the League of Extraordinary Media. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening. Now, I used to work at a video store, and uh, it was at that time that I stopped renting movies. Because why? Uh, well, I had free rent. So, so while I was there, I, I was renting, but I started buying movies more often, and now I don't really rent anymore. I just buy movies. If, I, if I'm interested enough in it, I'll just add it to my collection. Fair enough. Hmm. I like the internet for the downloading illegally. Legally, I mean. Ha! <laughs>